When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. You finally get your baby to sleep through the night. Then a sleep regression hits, and you're back to multiple nighttime wakings. On today's show, you'll learn all about sleep regressions and how to survive them when I bring on a baby sleep expert and experienced mamas to answer all your burning questions. This is Newbies. He's gorgeous. Um, it's a girl. Surprise! The whole family's here! So when are you having the next one? It's just poop. Ready for another? Wow, you look really tired. Ready to go back to work? Yellow poop, seriously? Did you sterilize this? Sex? Now? You've got to be joking. You should sleep when the baby sleeps. She doesn't look anything like you. I thought you already had your baby. I did. Babies don't come with instructions, so there's newbies, helping new moms and new babies through the first year. Welcome to Newbies. Newbies is your online, on-the-go support group guiding new mothers through their babies first year. I'm Natalie Gross, mom to a three-year-old boy and a baby girl. We've got a great show today talking about sleep regressions. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to visit our website. That's newmommymedia.com, and you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter that keeps you updated on all of the episodes that we release each week. Another great way to stay updated is to hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you're looking for a way to get even more involved with our show, then you can check out our membership club called Mighty Moms. That's where we chat more about the topics discussed here on the show. And it's also an easy way to learn about our recordings so that maybe you can join us. I'd like to introduce our panel of guests who are with us today. We have pediatric sleep consultant Jane Havens as our featured guest. We also have moms Amanda and Chloe joining us to share their experiences with this topic as well. So thank you all so much for being here. Let's kick it off with some introductions. So tell us a little bit about you and your family. Jane, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Thank you so much for having me today. My name is Jane Havens. I am a mom of two. I live in Baltimore, Maryland. I am a pediatric sleep consultant. My business is called Snooze Fest by Jane Havens, and I'm also the owner and founder of Center for Pediatric Sleep Management, where I train, mentor, and certify others to become sleep consultants. Wonderful. Thanks so much for being here. Amanda, what about you? Hi, my name is Amanda. I am a mom of four. Um, we live in Michigan currently. I am a stay-at-home mom, currently homeschooling my first grader and my preschooler. All right. And how old are your kids, Amanda? I've got a six, a four, a two, and a five-month. Great. And Chloe, what about you? Hey there. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Chloe Anagnos Pierce. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana with my husband and our nine-month-old daughter. Um, and in my full-time capacity, I am a work-from-home mom, um, and I'm the director of marketing for a nonprofit that's based in D.C., but I've been remote ever since uh, the pandemic. So uh, it's, it's uh, been nice to be home and, and um, spend time with our daughter and uh, be able to work at the same time. Jane, can you walk us through what sleep regressions are and what causes them? And then moms, you know, as she's talking, be thinking about your own experiences with your babies. And I'd love for you to share those as well. 
Sure. Sleep regressions are so, uh, it's such a hot topic in parenting when you think of moms and dads who have young kids and they are analyzing and perhaps sometimes overanalyzing their baby's sleep. And, you know, we often describe our baby's sleep as good or bad, or it's better or worse, right? And when I think of a sleep regression, I think of something that's just changing, right? And sometimes the sleep regression, the big one that everybody thinks of is that four-month sleep regression. That's sort of the most well-known sleep regression. This is actually a neurodevelopmental maturation where actually the infant sleep cycles are becoming more like adult sleep cycles. So in that situation, it's actually our baby's brains that are developing. And I like to think of it more as a progression rather than a regression. Uh, I'll get back to that one in a minute. All the other sleep regressions are really just, and I'll go through sort of the different categories, but they're all just sort of, um, they could happen at any time. If you're reading a lot about baby sleep, you might hear about an eight-month sleep regression or an 18-month sleep regression or a two-year sleep regression. And honestly, a sleep regression can really happen at any time. So if we want to quickly run through sort of what I think are the main causes for a sleep regression, the first one, I'll go back to that four-month sleep regression where uh, a baby's sleep cycles are literally changing. So when you think about a newborn baby, they sleep really deeply. They can cycle in and out of sleep cycles without much effort. They, they maybe rouse and go back to sleep or they don't even rouse because they're just in deeper sleeps. Um, and then they get a little bit older and all of a sudden they wake up and they look around and they're overstimulated by their surroundings. Um, and sometimes they have trouble getting back to sleep. That's what parents see at four months. Uh, that one really is an entirely different category than the rest of them. Uh, the other ones I would categorize as just like changes that happen to your baby's sleep for one reason or another. Uh, one common reason for a sleep re regression would be a sleep association creeping in. So um, maybe your baby was sleeping independently, falling asleep independently, and uh, you go on a trip, let's say. And when you're in a new environment and everything is strange, it's a different crib, or maybe the baby's sleeping in a pack and play. Uh, they don't know where they are. They're room sharing with their parent when previously they had been in their own room. Uh, the baby might be nervous and a little anxious to fall asleep independently in that new surrounding. So in that situation, a parent may say, oh, you know what? We're on vacation. The baby's a little nervous about sleeping in this new room. We're going to rock him to sleep, right? And so a new sleep association creeps in, in this case, the rocking, or it might become feeding, or it might become bouncing or whatever other options there are. And then you get home from vacation and all of a sudden your baby's waking up every single hour because they're expecting to be rocked back to sleep the way that they are or the way they were when they were on vacation. So, you know, these sleep associations that creep in, it can happen during travel, when a baby is sick, teething. Um, it really can happen at any point, right? Uh, the next category of sleep regression, I would say, is like when there's a need for a schedule modification. So uh, let's use let's use a baby who is on two naps who needs to go down to one nap. Uh, at this age, maybe it's a one-year-old or a little 14-month-old baby, and they're taking their two naps a day. 
but all of a sudden they're getting so much day sleep during the day that they aren't tired at night. So then they wake up in the middle of the night and they have long wakeful periods in the middle of the night, or perhaps they're waking up really early. In that situation, it might be time to adjust down to one nap so that they're more tired overnight and can sleep uh, more peacefully and soundly for those 11 to 12 hours that they typically need overnight. And then the last major category for sleep regressions, I would I would lump into the category of sort of like developmental milestones that impact sleep, sometimes a little bit negatively. The best example I can give here is usually around eight or nine months old, babies will learn to stand, right? And this happens a lot of the time they practice these skills in their crib. So for a baby that's falling asleep independently, falling back to sleep independently, has completely independent sleep habits, all of a sudden they're in their crib and they realize they can stand up, but oh my gosh, they don't know how to get back down yet. Or perhaps they might know how to get back down, but mom or dad sees this on the monitor and is nervous that, oh my gosh, they just stood up for the first time. I'm going to go lie them down so they don't get hurt. Right. And then it becomes a game of the baby standing up, mom going in to lie him down, mom leaves, baby stands up again. And next thing you know, it becomes a sort of cause and effect little behavior where baby knows that if he stands up in the crib, mom comes in to lie him back down and he likes that. And so it becomes a little bit of a game. And sometimes babies then can lose their confidence that they're actually totally okay to be in their cribs by themselves because they get so used to seeing a parent pop in every time they do that new thing that they're working on that perhaps is making their parents a little bit nervous. So just to sort of like re quickly recap them, you know, the four month sleep regression, which is really truly the only real one that happens at like a very specific age. It usually happens between three and four months. And then the other ones are either like sleep associations that creep in or the need for a schedule adjustment or developmental milestones that can negatively impact sleep. I think I covered it all. Does it continue after age three? Because I'm pretty sure I'm in one with my toddler. <laughs> yeah. So does your three-year-old still nap? Uh, we're trying to cut it. Some days okay. he'll fall asleep, but we're trying. Yeah. So I think that that would fall into the need for a schedule adjustment, right? So three-year-olds that struggle with sleep, if you're having bedtime battles, my guess is like if there's still a nap, then bedtime is really hard. And yep. then if there's not a nap, then they're like cranky and really tired come bedtime. And then that can be hard too. So really just nailing down a good schedule and a good routine. And then also when you think about older children, it's just really... I wouldn't put that into a sleep regression category. It looks like a sleep regression, but really it's a boundary setting situation. It's it's an issue of parents feeling nervous and anxious about setting firm boundaries around sleep. And, and when parents decide to set really firm and respectful boundaries around sleep, usually all of the shenanigans wash <laughs> away. Yeah. Well, Chloe and Amanda, as Jane was talking there, what are your experiences with sleep regressions? Does any of that resonate with you? Most certainly with me. Um, we just are on the tail end of the four-month sleep regression with my daughter. And it's been not as bad as some of my other kids, but um, she's she's been waking up in the middle of the night and singing to herself. She hasn't like been crying in the middle of the night like my other kids did, but She's, she wakes up in the middle of the night and sings to herself or her naps have been shorter. Like she'll wake up after the like 45 minutes and then she'll just want to kind of 
stay awake. And it's hard, especially since we, we live in a small, um, apartment right now and she hears her siblings. And so she doesn't really want to go back to sleep at all. So we're, we're kind of on the tail end of that. She'll, she's starting to go back to sleep now and she's not waking up at night anymore. And my son is in a nap progression because <laughs> he's two and a half and he does not want to, uh, to take his nap. His sisters are, are, um, awake and playing and he hears them and it's so much fun and he doesn't want to take his nap. And then he's really, really a mess later. <laughs> yep. Chloe, what about you? Yeah, unfortunately we were in the same boat when my daughter was about four months. She hit that really dreaded four month sleep regression where she would wake up, I'd say almost every two to three hours throughout the night, which was really hard. Um, we did some sleep training with her that seemed to help for a while. Um, and then she hit, I would say, another sleep regression around eight months where it was waking up probably every four hours throughout the night. Um, and now I'd say she really only gets up uh, maybe once during the night for I want to say maybe a couple minutes because she wants about half a bottle. Um, she also was born a month early. Um, and so I, I have a feeling that a lot of the sleep regressions and some of the troubles that we've had there um, from a neurological standpoint um, can have her maybe a little bit behind. Um, that's what our pediatrician had mentioned to us when I said that we were struggling with sleep. Um but it's also funny because even though she was born premature, her height and weight has all uh, caught up to her, which is great. Um, but she's still very much like a, a skinny little string bean. Um, and so she, although she shouldn't be waking up during the middle of the night to eat, which is what she really wants, um, she is still doing that. So um, it's one of those things where we have to kind of adjust, you know, feedings throughout the day um, and, you know, adding more calories and whatnot to to um, her food and all that good stuff. Um, but eventually we'll get to 12 hours, but we're not quite there yet. Were either of you familiar with the concept of sleep regressions or is it something that you discovered when it happened to you? I had no clue with my first kid. Not at all. Terrible sleeper. Didn't know about sleep regressions or sleep training or any of that. So that was news to me. But after that, with my other three, then I was more expecting it because I, I had read up on sleep regressions and stuff from my first. Mm -hmm. I do feel like it's something that people don't talk a lot about. You hear sleep training or, you know, getting them to sleep through the night and all these concepts, but sleep regressions. Yeah. Similar to you. I had no idea with my first. I uh, learned more about sleep regressions and sleep training than I ever thought that I would um, on TikTok. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, so that's where my TikTok and then a lot of my girlfriends, I'm, I'm one of the, the middle in my friend group to have, to have kiddos. Um, and so I got some good advice from them. But in this instance, the internet was very helpful to me. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experiences. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll be talking more with our expert, Jane. So stay tuned. <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. 
It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. So it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Welcome back, everyone. You've already met our expert, Jane Havens, with Snooze Fest. She is a certified pediatric sleep consultant through the Institute of Pediatric Sleep and Parenting and Center for Pediatric Sleep Management, which she already talked about. So, Jane, we kind of already talked about the ages and the stages where babies go through these sleep regressions. Do all babies go through this, regardless of whether they were sleeping through the night before they hit a certain age? So the four-month sleep regression Every baby does go through something developmentally where their sleep cycles do mature. That being said, babies who are already falling asleep independently and putting themselves back to sleep in the middle of the night, if they roused in the middle of the night, uh, those babies, those independent sleepers typically don't regress. You know, I put that in air quotes, Mm -hmm. the way that babies who don't have independent sleep habits will regress. So parents often see the four-month sleep regression when you know they're rocking their babies to sleep at bedtime, they're rocking them back to sleep in the middle of the night, that's largely working. Maybe at four months, the baby's waking up once or twice in the middle of the night and just needing a passy or a quick feed, and they're very easily going back to sleep. At four months, those babies who don't know how to fall asleep on their own, they're the ones that start waking up every hour crying for a pacifier or crying to be assisted back to sleep. So the babies that already have their independent sleep habits, they aren't typically affected so greatly by it. And then, you know, the other sleep regressions that I discussed, you know, that get impacted by travel or developmental milestones, you know, some babies are more prone to this than others. Some babies are really quick to latch on to new habits and others can, you know, take things in stride and move right along. I have a little nephew who is, he's about to be a year. And a couple of months ago, he had a little surgery. And when he did, um, you know, he came home and he, he needed some extra support. He was an independent sleeper. He knew how to fall asleep and back to sleep independently. But when he came home from his procedure, he needed those cuddles. He needed to be rocked to sleep for a day or two. And I, you know, as a sleep consultant, I had my eye on it really closely and fully supported them giving him those extra snuggles and that extra support that he needed. But once he was recovered and once he was feeling better, they went back to putting him down in his crib entirely awake and he just put himself to sleep with no fuss. And for a lot of babies, that would be a tough habit to break. So I do think to some degree, it depends on temperament. And some babies are easier to sort of get back on track when things go awry and others have a really hard time with it. Okay. So, you know, if someone listening, their baby's going through regression at the four months or six months, nine months, whenever, they're waking up in the middle of the night at times when they weren't before. Should you feed them to try to get them down? Should you rub their back? Like in your opinion, what should the parent do? So I think that, you know, it's so tricky in the, when I get asked these questions, because the answer is always, it depends, <laughs> um, right? I wish it were so simple. Uh, when I, I want to make it really clear for people who are listening and maybe don't have so much knowledge on this topic, when it comes to sleep training and establishing healthy and independent sleep habits for babies, sleep training and night weaning are really two entirely different things. So 
you know, when I work with families to teach their children how to fall asleep and back to sleep independently, a lot of the time at the end of our time together, the baby's still eating in the middle of the night because they're not ready to night wean. Or maybe mom isn't ready to night wean. It, it totally depends, right? So for a baby that's not eating in the middle of the night and hasn't been for some time, I personally don't think that feeding is ever the answer because if they've become accustomed to going the entire night without being fed, uh, if they're waking up in the middle of the night for some reason, it's highly unlikely that it's due to hunger. And because you've already established that sort of boundary that calories are consumed during the daytime and not overnight, I don't think there's any reason to ever change that. Um, for babies that are, let's use the example of like, if they're sick, if they're teething and they're regressing. Uh, if you're worried about your baby's health, if you're worried about their comfort level, it's always okay to provide some additional support. I never want parents to think that they can't support their babies through short-term struggles. That being said, there's a difference between supporting a baby and giving them some extra help and sort of reverting back to old habits of completely assisting them to sleep. So, you know, if you can sort of take the path to least resistance and, you know, maybe some extra snuggles before bedtime, maybe a few extra back rubs, but not entirely patting your baby back to sleep, that's always going to help you in the long run. But you also should feel confident that if you do slip into those habits or providing more support because you feel your baby needs it in that moment, you can always make a change when you feel confident that they're feeling better. Okay. And how long does the four-month sleep regression last? Or, you know, typically when there's a regression or progression, as you say, yeah. how long do these typically last? Yeah. So it lasts until you make a change, uh, especially with the four-month sleep regression. You know, parents come to me all the time and they'll say, you know, my baby is seven months old and they'll they'll give me a whole history and they'll say sleep was really good until about four months. And then we hit the four-month sleep regression and we're still struggling three months later, right? So nothing really changes if nothing changes if nothing changes, right? So for a baby that is being assisted to sleep and then assisted back to sleep hourly in the middle of the night, that is unlikely to magically resolve without the parent making some sort of change on their end. Uh, the most common thing that I see is parents popping a pacifier back in every single hour. And for a baby who cannot replace the pacifier on their own, you know, in order to get over that hump, you really need to sort of make a change and stop using the pacifier, at least until they can replace it on their own. So with most regressions, it really actually takes some sort of parent involvement to see a major change, um, whether that be a schedule modification, changing the way that you respond in the middle of the night, or changing the way that you put a baby down for bedtime. Uh, usually in order to see progress, it does take some direction coming from parents. Okay. At what point should new parents, you know, especially someone who's concerned the sleep regression isn't ending, what do I do? When do they go see a pediatrician or a sleep consultant like yourself? Yeah. So for babies that were sleeping independently and had really healthy and independent sleep habits before this said regression, I always tell parents if something randomly starts to go really awry, checking in with your pediatrician is always a good idea. Uh, it's actually often the ears. Parents are very quick to blame teething on sleep disruptions and sleep disturbances, but I can't even tell you how many 
ear infections. I've diagnosed either mm-hmm. like in Facebook groups or just with people texting me about random sleep regressions. I always tell them, you know, go have your baby's ears checked and make sure that they're feeling okay. Uh, an ear infection can present without a fever. So sometimes parents just don't even realize that that's what's going on. Uh, so checking in with your pediatrician is always a good idea. And then otherwise, you know, if, if your baby was sleeping really well and had healthy sleep habits, and then all of a sudden they don't, and they're healthy and they're okay, they're just no longer sleeping independently, I say it's time to work on it as soon as you're ready to work on it. Okay. Well, good to know. Thank you so much for sharing this important information, Jane. We're going to take another quick break and then bring our moms, Chloe and Amanda, back into the conversation. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen. All right. Welcome back, mamas. Any thoughts on what we've just heard from Jane? I thought it was interesting um, that ear problems could cause sleep disruptions because I always thought it was just like usually the teething or, you know, the developmental and stuff like that. But I, I thought that was interesting to check ears. Absolutely. I had not thought of that either. One thing that really stood out to me was teaching your baby to sleep independently, or at least trying to get them to figure out how to fall back asleep without you. And that's one thing that we worked really hard on with sleep training, whether that be the blankie that's the cuddle buddy or the pacifier or just, you know, shushing um, and having the white noise and making sure that everything is the way that it needs to be for sleep. Um, That's one thing that, especially when I try to describe sleep training to, um, folks that are either in my parents' generation or that are actually my parents, um, sleep training is always something that they're kind of like, what you paid to, you paid to have someone tell you how to get your kid to sleep. What? That's crazy. Um, but those are not necessarily things that people always think about. So it's nice to have that, that reassurance from a professional. Yeah, absolutely. Jane, can you actually talk a little bit more about what it means to put your child to sleep and let them fall asleep independently? Instead of yeah. nurses, I'm, I'm guessing that's the opposite of like nursing to sleep. Yeah, exactly. So there's a whole lot of sort of, uh, how do I describe this, sort of drama around this topic, for lack of a better way of saying it, because um, babies who fall asleep independently for the first time are often a little bit sad about it or or they're a little bit frustrated to be learning to fall asleep in a new way but the way that babies fall asleep 
is entirely behavioral. So for a baby that is used to nursing to sleep, that is their habit. That is their preference. It doesn't mean that they're not capable of falling asleep without nursing. It's just what they know and it's what they expect. Uh, at some point, whether the baby is six months old or sometimes even three and a half years old, you know, these children nursing to sleep no longer becomes sustainable for everybody in the family. And when the decision is made to work on teaching the baby or toddler or preschooler how to fall asleep in a new way, uh, sometimes it can feel stressful and overwhelming. And there's so many ways to do it. I don't know that I should go into all of them here, but the basic premise is that you can gradually work on it. So just to give you an example, for that baby who is being nursed to sleep, a really gradual way of working on it would be to shift to rocking them to sleep. So you're still assisting them to sleep just in a way that is maybe less familiar to them. And then for a baby that is then was nursed to sleep and now is rocked to sleep, perhaps the next step is just holding them and shushing in their ear while they fall asleep. And the step after that would be putting them into the crib and putting a heavy hand on their back or on their chest and shushing so that they felt safe and, and confident or comfortable to fall asleep in their crib rather than in your arms. Now, I want to be super clear that none of this means that there's going to be no crying. It doesn't mean that there's, it's not going to be hard or challenging or a little bit stressful, but it's totally worth it. Now, that's sort of the most gradual way that I teach parents to teach their babies to fall asleep. And then the other option on the other end of the spectrum is just to sort of like put them down and say goodnight, say I love you, give them a kiss and give them an opportunity to try. Uh, a lot of parents love to call this cry it out. Uh, I like to call it trying to fall asleep in a new way. Um, and, and there's a whole spectrum of options in between the two that I just shared here. There's lots of ways to work on it. But at the end of the day, when a child can fall asleep independently without the nursing or the rocking or the bouncing or the pacifiers, then when they rouse in the middle of the night, they have the tools and they have the confidence to get themselves back to sleep without struggle. Now, all of the sort of like anti-sleep training brigade will come at me and say, you know, babies are supposed to wake up in the middle of the night and it's, you know, biologically normal for babies to wake in the middle of the night. And that is all completely true. Uh, sleep training does not teach babies not to wake in the middle of the night. They still wake up. They just quietly get themselves back to sleep without so much struggle. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to kind of give some practical tips for other moms out there who are struggling through sleep regressions right now. Amanda, you're an experienced mom of four. Anything that's worked for you? <laughs> well, um, the biggest thing that helps us, and it's usually it helps during like the developmental sleep regressions, like when they're practicing um, in their cribs, is I really try to practice their new skills with them while they're awake. Because they're wanting to get practice in anyway. Right. So my, the thing that I've seen the biggest success with, with that anyway, is, um, like if they're learning how to, to stand and then they stand up in their crib and they can't get down and they're really sad. So I'll practice with them during the day, how to sit back down in their crib. Um, or if they're learning how to sit, you know, I'll give them plenty of opportunity during the day to learn how to sit so that, at nighttime, they're not wanting to practice as much and they're more tired. Yeah, that's a great idea. Chloe, any any thoughts from you? 
Yeah. And I, I think one of the big things for me, at least with being a first time mom and, you know, remember our daughter's nine months old. So I've only been doing this for nine months is that, <laughs> um, being really strict about our routine, especially when it comes to sleep and nighttime has been instrumental. Um, and that's one thing that we've worked on a lot with, uh, whether it be a babysitter or my parents or my in-laws or anyone that's going to be watching our daughter if we're going out on a date night or something, is that this is the schedule, this is routine, this is why we're sticking to it. Um, and if you don't stick to the routine, these are the consequences in terms of, you know, someone being up all night and being cranky or, you know, you're not getting the sleep that you need kind of thing. Um, so for us, it's um, it's dinner, bath, uh, blankie, and cuddles with, uh, you know, when, when we put, uh, jammies on that kind of thing, reading a book, rocking and some music. And then we do, um, we say, okay, good night, Winnie. It's time to go to bed, put her down. And that usually will do it. Um, and I will say a couple times when we've noticed that she's teething or, you know, unfortunately she had RSV a couple of weeks ago, she's fine now. Um, but sometimes, you know, sickness, um, and discomfort can make it a little bit harder, but those are just some of the tools that we've got so that, um, you know, we can, continue to to do everything we can to support her so that she grows and so that we can uh, support our own sanity as well. Because um, that's one of the big things being a first time parent, no one really tells you how difficult sleep can be. Um, so we're thankful for that. For sure. Jane, any last thoughts as we wrap up here? Going back to sort of like that establishing those healthy sleep habits, I want to say out loud that uh, you do this because it works best for your family. It's a personal choice. If you are thriving with your child being assisted to sleep and then, you know, waking hourly and you popping the passy every hour and that works for you and that what that's what feels best for you as a parent and that's working for your child, totally great. And if that no longer feels sustainable, there are ways to make a change so that everybody can thrive. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jane, for sharing this information. Thank you, Chloe and Amanda, for coming on and sharing your experiences as well. Listeners, you can find out more about Jane's work at thesnoozefest.com. Love that name, by the way. Thank you. Also, check out newmommymedia.com where we have all of our podcast episodes plus videos and more. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to newbies. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for expecting parents, Parent Savers for moms and dads with toddlers, The Boob Group for moms who give breast milk to their babies, and Twin Talks for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. 
While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey mamas, don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.